वेलकम टू द हिंदू पार्ले आई एम बिंदु शाजन पेरे पार्ले topic for discussion today is prompted by the health ministry's latest report on antibiotics resistance which states that over half of the almost 10000 hospital patients surveyed recently were given antibiotics to prevent rather than to treat infection antimicrobial resistance has emerged as a major threat to public health and it is estimated to cause 10 million deaths annually by 2050 India carries one of the largest burdens of drug resistant pathogens worldwide according to health experts. In discussion with us today on the growing menace of antibiotic resistance is Dr. Sumit Ray. He is HOD Critical Care Holy Family Hospital Delhi and he is also the secretary Indian College of Critical Care Medicine. The group recently submitted its recommendatory guidelines for ICU admissions in India. Dr. Abdul Ghafoor is a consultant in infectious disease apollo hospital chennai and is actively involved in developing antibiotic policy in india diving into the discussion i would like to quote from the recent survey reported by the ncdc which is the national center for disease control which found that over half of the almost 10000 hospital patients surveyed were given antibiotics to prevent infections rather than to treat it The vast majority of patients surveyed which was 94% were given antibiotics based on observation and experience of the treating staff rather than any standard prescribed guideline so the obvious question to our panelist would be should prescribing antibiotics be left to the hospital alone or should there be standardization to ensure uniformity while prescribing antibiotics dr ray i would like you to respond to this first right so uh, i think there is very little role of preventive antibiotics actually so that's a big problem that we have that a lot of antibiotics and this is the this study that has been done has been done in 35 or i think if i'm not wrong medical colleges uh, so there are very few as dr gafur will also uh, agree that there are very few uh, reasons for a preventive antibiotic right only prophylactic antibiotic or preventive is uh, for surgical prophylaxis etc so that obviously is an overuse that is that can be restricted so and there are uh, there can be methods and probably we'll discuss that later but coming to your question should there be a standardization for ensuring uh, uniformity while prescribing antibiotics so the uniformity in prescribing what type of antibiotics in what situation overall uh, is there the guidelines are there from the ncdc but the diagnostic criteria to say that this patient has an infection is like immediately before we get the cultures and the blood test reports immediately the clinical signs are used and unfortunately there are not very clear cut numbers which can tell us that okay this patient has an infection there can be indications and that is why there is a dependence on the clinical judgment of the clinician to prescribe the antibiotics initially that probably is not going to change very soon but what antibiotics to use at what point of time in what kind of disease processes there are guidelines and the other is what is not done is yes you have started an antibiotic with this with the uh, fear that this patient has an infection but if all the tests come back and your clinical judgment again you review and there doesn't seem to be a bacterial infection which is causing the infection right 
if it's a viral infection or if it is for some other reason that the patient has the symptoms, then to step back and stop the antibiotic or change the antibiotic, right? That is not done also. And this can only happen when there is better training in antibiotic practice, how to prescribe antibiotic, how to diagnose patients of infection, when to step back uh, from giving antibiotics. These elements only with teaching and training will these elements be highlighted. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Abdul, I would ask you also, please, for your opinion. People in India are known to have the luxury of buying medicines over the counter and uh, antibiotics is no different. So does that drive this trend? Uh, Bindu, the NCDC data, the recent point of point prevalence survey data, is very relevant, but not at all unexpected. I'm not at all surprised to read that uh, results of the survey. And even if you do the survey in most other countries, you will get the similar results. More than half of the antibiotic prescription in most countries are unnecessary. But why do doctors make this unnecessary prescription? Are they doing purposefully to harm the patient? Are they doing purposefully to increase the AMR rate in the country? Of course, no. They prescribe antibiotic for the best interest of the patient. But why this discordance? We have NCDC guideline. We have ICMR guideline. We have WHO guideline. We have got a dozens of societies guideline. So there's no scarcity of the guideline. But why should doctors overprescribe antibiotics? We should look into the root causes of this overprescription. And unless we look into and correct the root causes, the situation will continue the same. So what are the causes? Number one, look at any government hospital outpatient or private hospital outpatient. These are overcrowded. How many minutes a doctor get to talk to a patient and examine? Yes, you can confidently, to an extent, you can rule out a bacterial infection. If you talk to the patient, take a good history, examine the patient. To an extent, you can rule out a bacterial infection. You can rule, if you rule out a bacterial infection by history and physical examination, you can avoid prescribe an antibiotic. That doesn't happen because we don't have the luxury in majority of the clinical OPDs to take history and detailed examination. Where if you don't do that, you prescribe antibiotic. But even if you take an history, even if you examine, still you need the necessary investigations to rule out a bacterial infection. And we don't have access to rapid diagnostics. And let's talk about conventional diagnostics. We don't have enough laboratories in the country to send cultures. And most patients' cultures are not affordable. The course of antibiotics is cheaper than any culture. So for a doctor who don't have the time to examine, they have time to take history, a patient who can't afford cultures in a country where most part of the country not enough laboratories, and antibiotics are available cheaper over the counter or by prescription. Doctors overprescribe antibiotics and patients buy antibiotics without prescription. So unless we correct these factors, unless we correct these socio-economic indicators, nothing is going to change. Yes, some change will happen to education. Doctors are very well aware about antimicrobial resistance. They are not ill-informed. They are very well informed. We have to keep on educating them. We can make some change by education, educating, but no significant change unless we look at the root causes and correct the root causes. Uh, doctors, I would like to bring you back because we've just had COVID, uh, which was a pandemic that uh, 
which surprised us also following the covid and now with the knowledge that all of us are vulnerable and the threat is ever present of any other outbreak happening at any time and then we have climate change we have zoonotic spillovers we have resistance which is creeping in from agriculture products from poultry and it's a trend that we have seen across the world so how important then is the judicial use of what is available to mankind and what is the uh, immediate danger that both of you see uh, dr ray should we start with you okay the immediate threat i mean is very clear we uh, as an intensivist i see people dying because of antibiotic resistance because of the resistant bacteria that are there yes. and if this, if you and the co study that you quoted it's incredible that that almost 75% if i'm not wrong of the patients who had an e coli or a klebsiella infection uh, in hospital were resistant to what we simply called a third or a fourth generation antibiotic uh, they are espl producing and what is even more worrying is that also the next generation of antibiotics the carbapenem resistance is also pretty high anywhere between 25 to 60% which is very worrying and we see that every day that we lose patients because of these resistant factors uh, and the use on the other question that you had about the use in poultry and in agriculture well that is true that the usage is high particularly in industrialized agriculture which is more common in the us and china these are the biggest users of uh, you know uh, antibiotics in agriculture and poultry farming india is though a user but not that big uh, they uh, comes uh, significantly below that it is a significant problem in india but the biggest problem for india is not its use in uh, but these are all linked together the world is linked together in many ways as we saw absolutely, in the pandemic absolutely yeah. so it is a problem but more importantly it is our prescription practices and dr gafur emphasized one very important thing that having labs to tell us having a hub and spoke model suppose there are small hospitals which do not have a microbiology lab they cannot get the data for what antibiotic to use or change or stop right so there needs to be a some labs which could be a government lab or public lab or a private lab which they can be linked to and information transmitted quickly so that the use of antibiotics appropriate antibiotics in the appropriate situation can be done so one is education as we discussed but also infrastructure as dr gafur emphasized and i'm reemphasizing that that is something which is not being done in the whole process is that access to information appropriate information to the kind of resistance patterns in the patients that a particular doctor is uh, talking about education yes dr gafur said that we are educated well he works in a i mean he's a highly qualified person infectious disease specialist but unfortunately most people prescribing antibiotics are not that not that qualified don't have that kind of understanding and that understanding has to be improved about how to give antibiotics which patients what kinds went to withdraw yeah dr gafur would you like to take up this question please bindu it's a very important question and i agree with sumit you know we sumit is an intensive care physician and i treat infections in cancer patients the most immunocompromised patients you can ever come across patients are losing their lives because of antimicrobial resistance but if you want to tackle the challenge of antimicrobial resistance we should think far beyond the prescription or consumption of antibiotic i will give you the results of multiple recently published papers the rate of antimicrobial resistance is not directly proportional to the volume of antibiotic usage 
not directly proportional to the volume of antibiotic usage, but directly proportional to the socio-economic indicators like governance, infrastructure, sanitation, poverty, portable water. What does that mean? In developing countries with antimicrobial resistance already high, reducing consumption will alone will not make any significant change in the rate of antimicrobial resistance. Of course, rationalizing antibiotic stewardship is very important, not just from the AMR perspective, but as a patient safety measure, rationalizing antibiotic stewardship is very, rationalized usage is very important because if you don't use the right antibiotic at the right time, at the right dosage, the patient's morbidity and mortality is going to increase. That is unquestionable. I'm only putting forward the perspective of antimicrobial resistance. If you, in a country like India, if you want to change the AMR scenario, we should look far beyond the antibiotic stewardship. We should look at the sanitation in the hospital first to prevent the contagion, to prevent the spread of antimicrobial resistance. Hand hygiene, sanitation, other infection prevention measures, the infrastructure for carrying out infection measures, sanitation in the community. And then comes this the rational antibiotic usage. Yeah, so we basically go back to what we did during COVID. We uh, emphasize on basic hygiene, hand washing, cleanliness. So is that, will that help? Would that be of any Of course, help? of course it will help because infection prevention, cross-transmission of the resistant or sensitive bacteria is the most important aspect. Recently, Kerala uh, did a... See, I, I was involved in bringing out the over-the-counter rule by the Indian government. I'll discuss that later. But in my opinion, in any state or any country, should concentrate more on the transmission of the bacteria rather than keeping on discussing about reducing the volume of antibiotic usage. In fact, so even countries like... Like washing your hands, wearing a mask, will contribute in reducing this burden that India is seeing. Yes, very, very important. Sanitation, hand hygiene, cleanliness of the hospital. That will make a much more reduction of antimicrobial resistance rate than the comprehensive antibiotic stewardship. But of course, antibiotic stewardship is a, a pillar, pillar or cornerstone of patient safety measure and very important in reducing or controlling drug-resistant bacteria as well. I'm not underplaying the importance of this rational antibiotic usage, but antimicrobial resistance is a complex challenge and it's much, much more than just the volume or prescription of antibiotics. I'm just explaining or giving the perspective of the complexity of superbug crisis. Yes, sir. So, uh, so now we go on to my next and the final question because this is not a discussion which we can have in such a short period of time. It's a very complex issue with multiple layers. But I would, as a final question, I would like... Uh, Dr. Uh, Gafur, to please um, explain to us the various measures that have been put in place by the central government most recently to control AMR in India. And really, is this enough in terms of surveillance and in terms of measures that we are bringing in to reduce this kind of abuse? Uh, very interesting question, Bindu. I have been a, a technical advisory committee member for the national policy for years, almost a decade. So I can give a, a real detailed picture on that. We brought out the uh, 2011, brought out the uh, 2011, we, we brought out the first national policy for containment of antimicrobial resistance. And the same year, we banned over the counter usage of all antibiotics. It's called H1 rule. 
but we immediately withheld the rule because we cannot ban over the counter sale of all antibiotics in our country and many villages there are no doctors to prescribe so in 2013 we brought out the after the chennai declaration initiative and the inspiration we could convince the government to bring in a, a modified h1 rule where we included only 24 antibiotics second and third line antibiotics we left out the first line antibiotics because we know the background scenario at national level even that is not implemented across the country even after 10 years recently kerala take an initiative for for banning over the counter sale of antibiotics i'm so happy about it because it's my own home state but that's again after 10 years of a national rule not a policy a rule but at least it's happening in one state that could be replicated in other states that in 2015 who brought out the global action plan in 2017 we brought out the national action plan and after that all the states are expected to implement state action plan that hasn't happened even after 6 years kerala done madhya pradesh done andhra pradesh doing delhi doing and one or two other states what about the majority of the states why are the states not implementing the state amr action plan unless we implement state action plan we can't make any significant progress in the amr field and after that in 2016 government brought out the red line campaign warning patients not to buy the antibiotic over the counter and 2019 the most important step in the amr field happened that is banning growth promotional usage of colistin in the poultry and other animals because colistin is the most important antibiotics that used in the hospital that was extensively used extensively used in animal farming in fact i had done work in the colistin resistant bacteria in the poultry in the food in the healthy volunteers intestines you won't believe the rampant presence of colistin resistant bacteria in the indian indian environment and healthy indians intestine and the food sample and that was significantly contributing to colistin resistance in the human in the hospital environment and indian and we we gave the data to the government molecular data surveillance data and based on that data government banned it was a very bold step despite the opposition from poultry and pharmaceutical industry government did a very bold step i can confidently say that that is one rule that is implemented in the country because 95% of the colistin in the poultry was imported from china and that's banned now and that has made a significant a change in even the resistance pattern in the humans after that ban and then of course what is more important we need to central government has done a good job in bringing out rule but in india states the health is predominantly a state subject states must implement the state amr action plan but what is preventing the states from implementing what is necessary is the coordination from center and state in my opinion the union health secretary should directly communicate with the state health secretary directly coordinate and collaborate if that happens if that happen all states will implement state amr action plan that is the only way forward central government whatever rules bring out yes colistin ban is effective but that's a different ball game all other aspects rationalizing antibiotic state drug controllers have to act infection control state governments to act act everything else mostly belong to the states uh, 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 section and states should implement the state action amr action plan if that is done we can we can witness a significant change probably if, yes. if that doesn't happen change, yeah. but unfortunately it hasn't happened in 7 years since the national amr plan it's unfortunate it's because of a lack of coordination lack of collaboration that should yeah. change
So at this point, I'd like to bring in Dr. Ray. Uh, so you deal with critically ill patients and uh, what is what is really the way forward? I mean, it's not just about critically ill uh, uh, patients. One is restricting antibodies. Only cholestin, restricting cholestin is not going to help. Any of the newer antibiotics, many of them have to be restricted access. And uh, continuing further from infrastructure changes that Dr. Uh, Gafur was saying, it's very interesting. The highest per capita in antibiotic usage is among countries which have the highest privatized healthcare. So you can compare US and India are some of the highest users of antibiotics, not in poultry, but with patients, right, human. So it's also interesting that improving public health systems, public health delivery systems, including sanitation, but health systems is also important. Most public health countries with good public health systems do not have. And the same example exists for Kerala that Dr. Gafur was talking about. You see Kerala is one of the best health uh, public health systems in the country with all its faults, right? And, 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 and that is where implementing these things are much better and easier if you have a good public health system. So that's also a way forward that one has to think about that as a government, they should think about that improving public health expenditure, delivery and accountability of the public health system is also an important factor that will help finally in reducing AMR. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you, Dr. Ray. Uh, thank you, Dr. Abdul. And with this, uh, we would like to conclude this discussion. Thank you to both the doctors. Thank you, Bindu. And thank you, Sumit. Thank you. Thank you so much.